And some of you are ready to cheer because we're getting close to the end of the book of Hebrews. It's almost there. The passage we're going to be looking at today, once again, is that part of chapter 13, which is that walking out our faith. And he's going to talk about some things about the church and the structure of the church and leadership in the church. And before I read those passages to you, which are verses chapter 13, 17 to 19, let me just give you a little insight, because he's going to talk about the authority of those in leadership within the body, and that's kind of what he's focusing on this morning. But let me, let me give you just a snapshot of the heart of a pastor. Um, I know some of you may go, you know, Tim is one of the weirdest pastors that I've ever met, because uh, he doesn't really fit the mold of a pastor, and I don't. I, I get that. I understand. Um, and I didn't think that I would actually be a pastor uh, just because of the way I'm wired, the things I like to do. Um, and then I realized that, that God has a use for us, and sometimes it looks different than what you have, might have in mind. And that was true with me, and it is true with me. But let me give you a little snapshot into my heart about a pastor because that's what we're going to talk about. The verses that we're going to look at are going to talk right at the beginning about the fact that there are joys and there are heartbreaks for those who are shepherds or those who are pastors. And this is what that looks like. I've been a pastor now for 30 years, and I know you're surprised because I'm really, I don't look that old, and uh, it's surprising. If you see me walk in the morning, and you see me at the first few steps that I take in the morning, you'll realize that I look a lot older uh, than I am. But I've been a pastor for 30 years. Some of the joys of being a pastor are this. It is so incredible for me to teach and watch people get it. There's nothing better than for me. I, I, you notice that I can't stay in one spot and I walk around. And part of the reason I do that is because I like to watch your faces. I like to look at your eyes. I look at your facial expression. And I like to see it when people go, oh, that's the truth, and that's how that applies to my life. That's what I love. Love it. I love teaching in a smaller setting with, with people, whether we're, we're going through a book together or we're studying some truth of the Word of God together or we're doing something practical together. Like this week on Wednesday, there was a group of you here, really super, er, poor Ben, I called him before five. And he's like, yeah, he really wished he hadn't had his phone on. But we worked together, and we, we lived out the truth of God's word on Wednesday morning in a very practical way. And we served one another, and we encouraged one another. I love that. There is incredible joy for me and for my heart. I've taken teams all over the place to do very practical things, to build buildings, to help churches. I just you, We've done crazy things for God with teams of people. My wife and I have gone all over the place and done that over the years with teenagers, with adults, with older folks. We've just, and you know what? I love working with a group of people for a common cause for God for the glory of God, and watch that group of people serve God, use their gifts to the glory of God, unite 
work hard together and lift up God's name and see people's lives changed because it's so exciting. If you haven't done it, you need to. It's so fun. So fun. I don't do it for money. Oh, I get paid. I got to live. I got to eat just like everybody else. But that's not why I do it. There's all kinds of other things that I could do for money. This isn't it. This is my service to God. It's a joy. But at the same time, there's a flip side to this. And you need to understand that the flip side of doing ministry, there's a joy in serving. There's a joy in teaching truth. There's a joy in hanging out with people and watching them get it and watch their life change. Watch, watch Jesus show up in their life and watch him radically save them. That is so exciting. And I've seen it. I've seen it happen. I've had people in my office who have given their heart to Jesus and just changed because Jesus and the Holy Spirit has changed. And it's awesome. But the flip side of that is this, that ministry and serving and being a shepherd also breaks my heart. And there have been so many times in 30 years where I have looked, it happens just not to get too personal, but in the shower. God and I have a lot of conversations in the shower. And there's been so many times that I've stood in the shower and I've said, God, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. It's too hard. It's too hard. I've watched people who have said that God has their heart and they've walked away. Walked away from their family. They've walked away from the church. They've walked away from serving God. I've had people who have said so many hurtful things and often they don't even realize they're saying it. I've served people over and over and over and over and poured my life into their heart and watched them look at me and go, it doesn't matter, I'm done. And I've stood before God so many times and said, God, I can't do this. It breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to see people who know the truth and it's, they've, they've, they've read the truth, they've lived the truth, they've honored the truth, and then just to turn their back and walk away. It breaks my heart. And every time I do that and I stand before God and I say, God, I'm done, I quit. You know what he does every time? He says, Tim, it's not about you. Sure, but he's right, it's not. It's about who he is. It's about what he's doing in people's lives. It's about how he wants to change individuals. It's about the life change that he can bring. And so I stand before him every time that I get at that point and I say, you're right, God. (laughs) My life is just a little blip on the screen of eternity. And whatever it is that you want to do and however it is you want to use me, you do it. Amen. That's what this passage I'm going to read to you about is about this morning. And I want you to follow it. I want you don't kick this off because we're going to use a couple words at the beginning of this passage that our society and our culture do not like. Okay? I'm giving you fair warning. 
We don't like these words, but there's a reason these words are there. I'm noticing something this morning. I don't like the big posts we put in because some of you are hiding behind them, and it's really hard. So, okay, here we go. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 17 to 19. I want to read it with you or for you, and then we'll, we'll unpack this just a little bit this morning. Obey your leaders. See, there's one of the words. Obey your leaders and submit. There's another one to them. It starts right out. He's in your face. Since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Understand, pay attention to that. This isn't just somebody who's standing and looking at you and saying, I want you to do this. I want you to listen to me. Look at the phrase there. He says this. It's, it's not just that they're telling you what to do. They, they, they are responsible if they take that position of leadership and telling you truth, then before God, they are responsible for the way that they lead you and where they lead you. Huge, big weight, matters a lot. So that they can do this with joy and not with grief. See why I started the way I did this morning? for that would be unprofitable for you. Look, look at this. He says this and he lights it in such a way. He says, look, it's not about their authority so much and it's not about what they do. If, if you will humble yourselves and say yes to God and you will be part of the team and you will work as part of the team and you'll work with your leaders, it's profitable not just for the leader, it's profitable for, who does it say? You profitable for you. So I'm going to ask that again, and I, I don't want you to say you this time. I want you to make it really personal. I want you to say me, okay? Because this makes, this, this gets down into our heart. Who is it profitable for if we do this all together? Me. Yeah, let's do it one more time because a couple of you just woke up. So here it is. It's profitable for who? Me. Yeah, it's profitable the whole body. It's profitable for the whole body to do this. Then he says this, pray for us. For we are convinced that we have a clear conscience, and he's saying this, and how we've led, what we've done, what I've taught you, I have a clear conscience in that, wanting to conduct ourselves honorably in everything, and I urge you all the more to pray that I may be restored to you very soon. Remember that whoever this author is, remember there's persecution going on. Remember there's all kinds of things that are going on at this point in time. And there are those, if you remember back a, a little while in the passage, he said this, that there are those who are in prison for their faith and you should visit them. You should pay attention to them. And there are those that aren't among us because they've lived out their faith and there's been a price for them living out their faith. And so he asked that, that he would be restored to them very soon. I want three thoughts this morning from this passage that I want you to uh, just look at with me and kind of think about and consider for the next few moments. Thought number one found in verse 17 is this. We are to obey and submit to our leaders. Those are the two words. And so I did a little work on those words because I knew we live in North America, you know, America, and, uh, and, and, and obey and submit are difficult words for us, right? We're independent. We do what we want, when we want, the way we like it. Have it your way, 
right? I mean, that's the commercials. You know what I'm saying. That's the commercial. If you want people to buy what it is that you're selling or take the stuff that you have to offer, tell them they can have it their way, and they're in. They're buying. Right? You go to Subway, you want your sub made your way, the way you like it, right? Our food, that's, that's our, we want the cars with our options, right? We want to go tell them what they can put on. Henry Ford said, you can have any color you want as long as it's black, right? <laughs> and that was a struggle. It was one of the downfalls, actually, when he was producing cars. Everybody else started putting colors in, and people liked that. So we live in a day and age, and I'm not saying that's all bad. I'm just kind of getting your mind into the concepts here that we struggle with that. So I went back to the Greek to figure out what obey and submit meant. You know what they mean? Ready for this? You got it. Obey and submit. That's what they mean. That's what the author is saying. He's saying, look, there is a structure, there is a way that God has ordained the church to work, and the only way it will work is if it works within the structure that I have set up. And and in order for that to happen, I have placed people in leadership, and I need you to follow their leadership. I need you to obey and submit. Now, if you're like me, immediately your mind goes to this, and it says yes, but what if they're not doing the right thing? Well, let me help you with that, because God also deals with that. God says that there's a structure, and the head of the church, the head of that structure, we've been over this, let's see if you remember, the head of the church is Christ. It's not the pastor, it's not the elders, it's not a bishop, it's not a pope. The head of the church is Jesus Christ. And under the headship of Jesus Christ and the authority of Jesus Christ, God has placed a series of leaders, pastors and teachers and elders and deacons, and those who look after the way things should should function. My mentor, as I grew up in ministry, used to say this all the time, everything rises and falls on leadership. And if you have really good leadership, godly leadership, the body will thrive. It will grow. It will become something that you really can't contain. But if the leadership of the church is not godly, then the church becomes about power and becomes about systems. And the the, the ministry of the church begins to shrink because it only goes to the size of the person who's in power. And that's why God set it up where he said this, the head or the top of the church isn't a person, it's not human, it's Christ himself. Why? Because there are no limits to what Christ can do. And so he set up an authority structure within the body, and he said this, he says, Christ is the head of the church. He's the head of the leaders. So if the leaders are not submitting to Christ, then we don't follow. But if they are submitting to Christ, if Christ is their head, then we as Christ followers need to be all in to the direction that God is leading the body. Even when it's difficult and there are times if you are a person here today, are you a person? Are you with me? Are you a person? Okay, there are times if you are a person that it is difficult 
Things will not go the way you want them to go. They're not going to go the way I want them to go. But if we are following Christ, then we're all in to what it is that he's doing. Colossians 1 verses 15 to 19 put this very same thought this way. And let me, let me read it for you. He says this, he, Christ, is the, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, For everything was created by him, and in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is is before all things, and by him all things hold together. What's it telling us? That Christ, who is the one who put all things in motion, holds them in motion even today. He didn't let them go. He didn't fling them out there. The church is not just kind of an experiment to see what's going to happen. God is the head and he has a structure for it and he's holding it all together. All things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things and he holds all things together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have, catch this, What's it say? First place in. Let's say that again. What is it? First. So what's he supposed to have first place in? Are you sure? No, he's just talking about the church as a whole, right? No, he's not. See, What this means is this, look, if Christ has first place, he's the head of the church, then that means if he's my head, if I take direction from Jesus Christ and you all take direction from Jesus Christ, guess what? We work really well together. And we do incredible things for the body of Jesus Christ. He's first place of everything. Now, let me get really practical because we can't just leave this out there in theory land. What that means is that God is first place. Christ is first place in how I treat my family. He's first place in my language. He's first place in what I do at work. He's first place in the jokes that I tell. He's first place in how I treat that neighbor that I don't get along with. He's first place in my finances. <laughs> He's first place in my fun. He's first place in what I watch. He's first place in what I listen to. He's first place in who I hang out with. You get the picture? Because it says what? He's first place in? Okay, so in the church then, if that's happening to us personally, then every decision that we make as a church body puts Christ first. And if it's not for the glory of Christ and not for the good of Jesus Christ, we don't do it. Because it's Christ and Christ alone. He's first place in, you say it? Everything, everything. For God was pleased to have him in all his fullness dwell in him. God says, look, Jesus 
is a representation he is, not just, not just a picture of, but he is the fullness of God in man. Wow, that's incredible. The last part of this verse says, look, by submitting and obeying those who are under the headship of Jesus Christ and are leading by the glory and for the glory of God, then we together can do incredible things for the kingdom of God. And he says this, it's for our own profit when we do that together. It's for our own good. It's for the good of our heart. It's for the good of the body. And it brings joy. Hey, look, if you will submit to God, to Jesus Christ and everything, I'm going to be selfish here, okay? You ready for this? It brings joy to me. That's what he says. It brings joy to those who are in leadership. You want to make me happy? Submit to Jesus. I'll be so happy. I'll dance. You don't want that, but... It brings joy to those in leadership. Thought number two, found also in verse 17, leaders are accountable. Those who keep watch of your soul give an account. This is super scary for me, by the way, just so you know. I think about this all the time. But those who lead as an elder or pastor, those who lead to point people to Jesus Christ, those who get up, my prayer, every morning I get up early before I speak and I spend time with God. I go back over my sermon. God sometimes changes it on me. But I, my prayer all the time before I start, before I open my Bible again and I start looking is this, God, I know that the words I speak today, I'm going to be accountable for. So would you help me be careful? Because this verse scares me. The truth that I present to you, the way I live my life, the time that I spend living life with you, rubbing shoulders with you, doing jobs, hanging out, having fun, all that stuff, I'm responsible for that before God, and I'm accountable for how I lead you and the direction I point you in. What I say matters, and I am either pointing you closer to God or I'm taking you away from God. I'm either making it clearer for you or I'm making it muddy. And it is my goal and my heart's desire to be able to point you to Jesus Christ so that you will see him and only him. I'm to be your servant leader just like Jesus Christ was. I'm to serve you all the time with a heart of passion so that you would see Jesus Christ. James warns us in chapter 3, he says, Not many should become teachers because they will give or have a stricter judgment for the truth that they are sharing. First Peter tells us this, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over people, or the people that have been trusted you, but being an example to them. And that's a weight. And that's a weight that leaders carry. The second part goes, the, th the third thought, I mean, goes with the second. Remember, I'm accountable for how I lead. Before God, I'm accountable. The third thought is this, pray for your leaders. It's found in verses 18 and 19. Let me read it to you. Pray for us. 
For we are convinced that we have a clear conscience, wanting to conduct ourselves honorably in everything. And I urge you all the more to pray that I may be restored to you very soon. Look, I'm, I'm fine. I will be accountable for God. But can I ask you a favor? Can I? We've been together a long time. We've been 20 years doing this. We know each other fairly well. We're a family, I would say. Some of you are new to the family, but we're still a family. Can I ask you a favor? Three of you are nodding. Please, may I ask you a favor? Okay. Pray for me. I know some of you do. I know a lot of you do. I understand. I get it. But pray for me. Pray for Mike. Pray for our elders. Pray for our deacons. Pray that we would teach well. Not that we would just, I have fun. You know that. I get a little crazy. But I want to I teach the truth. Always the truth. Pray that I would teach well. Pray that we would teach well. Pray that our actions would match our words. Would you pray that for us? And I don't just mean here on Sunday morning. I mean in our private life. Pray that our words and our actions line up. They're the same. Pray that in this community, what we're teaching on Sunday morning is visible to the community. The actions of our body are being walked out to our community. Would you pray that for us? Would you pray that for us as individuals? But would you pray that for us as a body? Would you pray that our conscience, that my conscience would remain clean and clear before God? That I wouldn't be trying to hide anything. I'm not trying to hide. I don't want to hide anything. I don't want to keep anything in the dark or in the secret. But would you pray that God would protect me from that? Would you pray that God would, by his spirit, just keep my mind and my and Pastor Mike's and our elders, would you pray that God would keep our minds clear and clean before him? Would you pray that we would be honorable in all our dealings personally and privately and publicly? Would you ask God to help us always say yes to Jesus first? Would you pray that for us? Would you pray that our ministry lasts a long time in the direction of Jesus Christ? Here's my heart's desire. I'm going to finish. I'll wrap up with this. But here's my heart's desire, guys. I want to finish ministry. I, I want to die doing ministry. I do. I don't, want, I don't see retirement in the Bible, and I don't mean that people shouldn't retire. I just mean as far as service and ministry. I don't see it in the Bible. I don't see a place where God says, okay, when you're at this age, you stop ministry. He doesn't say that. But I do know this, that as we get older, we get a little more tired and don't have quite as much energy and, and can't do quite as much. But I want to keep serving. And I want to finish well. And so would you pray, would you pray that prayer for me and for my wife and for my family that we would finish well, that we would do ministry well, that we would keep saying yes to Jesus over and over 
and over again. See, what's the takeaway from this this morning? Well, here it is. God has a structure for the body, and he has gifted each of us as members of the body to do our part. Ephesians 4 says it this way, He gave some to be apostles and prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers to equip the saint for the work of the ministry to build up the body of Jesus Christ. He goes on in Romans and he says it this way in chapter 12, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the the parts do not have the same function in the same way we who have many are one body in Christ and individual members of one another according to the grace given to us we have different gifts if prophecy use it according to the proportion of one's faith if service use it to serve if teaching then teach if exhort then exhort if giving then be generous if leading do it with diligence if mercy then do it with cheerfulness in other words he says this look i have placed a structure in the body and the head is christ and i've given you leaders that you need to submit to and obey but every one of us have a part to play in the body and when each of us play that part and we do it well Christ is seen so the takeaway this morning is this would Christ be seen in us in me in this body for the glory of God in this community so that folks would come to know the love and the hope and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Will you be in? Will you be part? Will you continue to do? I know a lot of you are. I'm not asking you to start. I'm asking you to keep going. I'm not asking you. I'm I'm telling you this. Look, God has the grace and the mercy and the strength and all that we need to honor him and to keep going in the direction that he would ask us to as a church. Are you in? Will you serve with me? Will you help me in that? Yeah, I think you will. We're going to worship together, but before we do, I want to pray. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. Thank you for the structure that you've set in place. Thank you that we have an opportunity to serve you, to lead, to help the body become all that it can be. Would you put your hand of protection on the leaders of this body, this local assembly of believers? Would you protect us? Would you help us to honor you? Would you help us to put you first? Would we acknowledge that you're the head, the leader of the church? Would we submit to your leadership and then submit to one another as you've asked? Oh God, make us an example of your greatness to this community. May they see Jesus in us. In your name we pray, amen. Will you stand and sing with us? Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in Your king.